This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to a feminist movie Wednesday, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a Friday, but I'm pretty sure it's a Wednesday. I mean, who knows when you're listening to it, though? Yes. It could be a Friday. Or Tuesday. What? What? You can have feminist movie time whenever you like. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Freedom. Yes. And today we are talking about a very recent movie. It came out this year, in fact, uh, Prey. So there will be an intense spoilers. I don't know if that's the word I wanted to use, but that's the word that we're going with. Lots There's going to be a spoilers. lot of spoilers. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and you can see our Mary Sue episode for more information, actually. We are going to talk about that a little bit more and why that's relevant to this conversation in this episode. But we did talk about it in um, our episode on Mary Sue's where I defended them uh, at length. She did. She had a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I do. I have so many thoughts about Mary Sue's. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I will be talking about them in this episode. But, yeah, I love this movie. I love it. Um 
I watched it recently for Halloween with a first-time viewer. We had such a fun time. I watched it last night in preparation for this. And then I actually watched it at your place yeah. for the first time right when it came out with surround sound. And whoa, I was jumping all about. Uh, I was scary. very, very nervous. Um, yeah, with the surround sound, especially. Uh, and then I was also incredibly obnoxious because there's a scene where people speak French and it's not subtitled. Uh, and she I was, was appropriately, I was appropriately tipsy enough where I was like, "I'm a genius, and I will translate this for you." Uh, yes. So sorry and then about that. Came back sober <laughs> a week later to let us know she's still a genius because correct, yeah. it does not have subtitles. And so, what would you yes. done without like, me? That was, that came later. So yeah. it was I'm amazing. such a good friend. I'm such a lovely, fun friend. I loved it. I wasn't even a part of it. I was just told. <laughs> yes, because you were like, I will watch this later. I am going to bed. I am sleepy. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you have seen it. I have. I really liked it. So here's my thing about alien horror films. I'm not a huge fan of sci-fi. I'm a huge fan of fantasy. I think I've talked about this before. Anything gruesome, I'm not a huge fan either. Like, if it's, like, kitschy gruesome, I can get past it. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Perfect example of kitschy gruesome. Um, Even Scream, but, like, the newer one was still, like, eh, that's a little much. Um, So, I don't do that. I don't do, like, torture stuff. I don't do really, like, intense murder things. So, Prey, being along the lines of uh, the Predator, I've never been a huge fan. So, I'm like, I don't care. But then, the way everybody kind of was so hyped by the characters and, like, the nuance of it, I was like, okay, I'm down. Um, And I do love that type of. So, it took me a minute to get convinced to watch it. As much as I do love horror, I don't love gore. So mm. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, and now, like, I'm a huge fan. So, yes, I did watch it. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much so. I really recommend it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about how much I recommend it throughout. So <laughs> maybe we should just go ahead and get into it. Let's go ahead that. Um, so plot, the plot. Uh, Prey is, yes, a sci-fi horror movie with a historical bent. And it is out of the Predator franchise, which I know I mentioned before, but I had a great love of when I was a child. I watched it at my 16th birthday. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, It is the fifth one, but it's a prequel to all of them. Uh, It debuted on Hulu in 2022, and it was its number one debut of all time. And Um, still pretty high there, apparently. Yes. uh, Like overall record. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you can still stream it there. Currently not a sponsor, but has been in the past. Um, just fans, just fans. It was directed by Dan Trachenberg and written by Patrick Eisen. And the largely indigenous cast stars Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, Dane DiRiegro, Michelle Thrush, Storm and Kip, Julian Black Antelope, and Bennett Taylor. Um, the creators originally pitched it as a film that would, quote, follow a Comanche woman who goes against gender norms and traditions to become a warrior, which I would say is a pretty good description of what happened. One of the producers, I think it's Jane Myers, but forgive me if I mispronounced it and let me know, um, is a member of both the Comanche and Blackfeet nations. It was shot in English and the Comanche language, and it is the first feature film to have a full Comanche language dub, which we're going to talk about later. Um, It was incredibly well-received, with many putting it 
at or above the original in terms of quality. People praised the acting, the cinematography, the attention to history and detail, the pacing. Some compared Mid-Thunder, who plays the main character, Naru, to Aliens, Ellen Ripley. It's fun and tense and moving and beautiful. My friend who I watched it with over Halloween said, this isn't just a good Predator movie. This is like a really good movie. (laughs) Right. Uh, And it does work as a standalone. Like you don't have to see the other Predator movies for this to work. And I have not. And I enjoyed it. See? See? Uh, They did make a great effort to be historically accurate. The cast and crew were given this huge binder of info around that, uh, including, like, time-appropriate toothbrushes, like Naru. There's a scene where you see her using one. Um, Also wanted to shout out that it was composed by Sarah Schachner, and we know that women in the space of composing are pretty rare. Um, The flute and vocals was done by Native American musician Robert Mirabel, but I actually really like the music. It's very intense. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of it is. So. It's very intense, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the film takes place in North American, Northern Great Plains area in 1719. It follows Naru, played by Mid Thunder, and her canine companion, who, by the way, for those in Georgia, came from the same animal shelter slash uh, lifeline center that my dog came from. Yes, Just and we're so going to be know. talking about Coco, her name is, so, a little bit yes. as a bonus at the end. So, yes. yes. But I still love it. I was like, ah! Yeah. Anyway, so Naru is a young Comanche woman who has been trained in the ways of healing, but has a passion and talent for hunting, one she shares with her brother, Tabe. Her and Tabe have a close relationship, uh, and Tabe supports her while also calling out what he sees as her flaws and pushing her to be better. Yeah, but he's also showing her up a lot. Uh, Very early on, it becomes clear that Naru's strategy involves more patience and observation than Tabe's, though this is coupled with Tabe's longer experience because the community is pushing Naru to give up on hunting and accept her more acceptable position as a healer, as a woman, uh, which she is also good at. Uh, She learned from her grandmother, but still. So Tabe describes his rite of passage where you hunt those that would hunt you and believes that she might not be able to do it. Uh, he kills the hawk before she can, though she was waiting for it to circle back for easier retrieval. Yeah. Showing her up, like I said. Yeah. Well, there's so many signs throughout where she's like, she's waiting. She's right. patient and observing, and she was trying to make it easier to retrieve it, but he yes. shot it, so now they have to go across the river to get it. Mm-mm-mm. Naru is determined to prove herself. She goes out with Sadi, who, yes, is this dog Coco that we mentioned, <laughs> um, to track a deer, and she does like these awesome kick sliding moves. They're hard to describe, but... You've got to see it. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. When she sees this fiery light in the sky, the audience, or I would assume most of us, maybe not you, Samantha, because you haven't seen Predator, but, you know, we know that it's Predator I did not. Um, <laughs> but Naru believes it is the legendary Thunderbird, and it's a sign that she should go on her own rite of passage to prove that she is a hunter. Uh, And this opportunity to do so comes up when one of the members of the tribe is taken by a mountain lion and she convinces her brother to let her go on the hunt. And he agrees, but it's more like, I'll let you track. You're a good tracker. Um, I'll let you, if he needs medical help, you're really good at that. Um, 
The other men in the group are extremely doubtful of her skills vocally, uh, pretty much outright undermining her and mocking her. One of the men says, we won't be gone long enough to need a cook. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Anger. (laughs) So they find the hunter and Naru treats him, including giving him something that lowers his body temperature. Uh, She is pressured to return with him to their settlement while Tabe goes on to hunt this mountain lion, which, by the way, is really scary looking. When Naru discovers a snake that has been scanned and split along with huge prints and goes back to find Tabe with another member of the tribe who's really giving her a hard time because they just all give her a hard time. Yeah. Uh, Naru convinces Tabe to go with her plan of setting a trap for the mountain lion in spite of the opposition from the other men. But Tabe tells her this is a, her rite of passage and that she should tell him this is as far as you go and that's it. Yeah, which is a recurring thing that comes up through this movie. So, um, basically, you're telling the creature that's hunting you in this rite of passage, like, this is it for you. This is the end of the line. Um, So, her and the man hassling her wait in a tree. After he tells her hunter doesn't wait, he, he says he, he hunts. Um, And if you're scared, go back to camp where you belong. And he continues to hassle her until the mountain lion jumps into the tree and kills him. Um, Naru faces off with it. There's a really cool, like, spinning camera scene at this part. And amazing balancing skills from her, by the way. Whoa. (laughs) When Predator... Uh, he's off in the woods hunting something, doing something. So he distracts her with some sounds and lights in the distance. So she falls out of the tree, hits her head, and passes out. And yeah, by the way, this whole thing we've been describing has been cut in with scenes of Predator hunting animals. And so a very brief rundown of Predator as someone who has seen all of the movies. Uh, Predator's <laughs> whole deal is that he has to find the most dangerous predator slash hunter in an ecosystem and kill it for his own rites of passage. And I do think most of them are men, although I think there is some women. But anyway, um, he watches and assesses a threat. So when you see kind of the, like, graphics from his helmet is basically like calculating how big of a threat they are. Um, learns their moves, takes them out. Uh, and yeah, he has a lot of uh, a lot of tech and is invisible, which I think is kind of a cheat, but whatever. Um, also, he collects skulls in their spines and he puts them on the ship and that's how you prove that you did. You succeeded in your rite of passage. But yeah, basically, you're try- he's trying to find the top. Who, who can I take out that's going to really prove I I am number one in this hunting game. And I will say the entire time I was like, this is not fair. There's nothing about this that works. Yeah. He has all this technology that has like nothing mm-hmm. to do with, they they don't have any of this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and also his armor is pierced from, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, that's it's not a challenge. It's an interesting character because he doesn't, like in, in Alien versus Predator, which yes, I have seen, uh, like he won't kill somebody who has cancer. Like there's a bunch of rules that they follow, but at the same time, I'm like, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> but you're kind of using all this technology. Anyway, um, 
When Naru wakes, she has a massive headache, and her brother is announced as war chief after he returns from killing the mountain lion and has the mountain lion carcass. Uh, Naru confronts him, trying to convince him there's a threat like they've never seen out there, but Tabe tells her that she's done, that he had to carry her unconscious body back, that she wasn't fit to be a hunter, that she couldn't finish the job. Mm-mm-mm. Well, determined to find proof of this thread, Naru goes off with Sari, and she comes across an entire field of skinned buffaloes. Pretty gruesome. Confused and unsettled by the needless waste, she says a prayer over them, and then she practices with her axe and attaches a hand-woven cord to it for quick retrieval. Very smart. Yes. Uh, she falls into a bog and almost drowns in it, but is able to pull herself out with this axe and cord. Hello. Mm-hmm. And then she and Sari are attacked by a bear and are forced to flee. Uh, Naru takes shelter in the water under a beaver dam and witnesses an invisible creature take on and kill the bear. All you see is like wavy figures yeah. taking and on a bear. the blood like drenches yes. over it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she frantically swims away downstream where she's captured by some Comanche uh, sent to get her. They fight, and she puts up a good fight before the men bind her, and she tries to tell them about the invisible threat, but they ignore her until it, the predator, arrives and starts to kill them all off because, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. They also put up a good fight, but <laughs> they die. Um, mm-hmm. Predator doesn't see Naru uh, now caught in a foothold trap as a threat and leaves her alive. But then the French colonizers responsible for the skinning and slaughtering of the bison come around, capture her, and cage her. This is where Annie's skills come into play. Oh, gosh. That was so frustrating. I apologize. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think I was just so happy I remember how to speak. We were all happy. Um, Yeah, because this is this following sequence is largely in unsubtitled French. Uh, so they're just speaking in French, but it's not, there's no subtitles. But uh, they do this, these French colonizers bring out their interpreter to ask Naru about Predator, who they have dealt with before and are trying to hunt. Um, she won't cooperate, so they reveal that they have her brother Tabe, and they torture him in front of her. Uh, the pair are tied to a tree as bait for Predator. Tabe tells her that her plan with the mountain lion worked, that she weakened it, and that's why he was able to to capture it and kill it. She, in turn, tells him that Predator won't target them while they are bound. Like, he doesn't hunt that way. There is an epic battle scene of Predator using all of his outer space gadgets mm-hmm. <laughs> to decimate the Frenchman, while Onaru tells a story that culminates in her saying she's smarter than a beaver. Basically, it's like building up for you to think she's going to cut off her own hand. <laughs> but then she's like, but I'm smarter than a beaver. It's really satisfying. <laughs> she uses the foothold trap to cut their binds and free them. Tabe goes to get a horse while Naru returns to the French encampment to rescue Sari and expertly takes out some Frenchmen along the way. It's a very beautifully yes. choreographed fight scene. <laughs> yes. Delightful. So the interpreter from earlier is now dying and begs for her help, promising he'll teach her to use their firearms if she helps him. She does so, giving him the same ingredient from earlier that makes the temperature drop. She's unimpressed with the firearm and how it works, but takes it, abandoning him when Predator arrives. You gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. She observes that the Predator can't seem to see the still-alive interpreter, realizing that that is because his body heat is low. However, the interpreter accidentally a 
alerts Predator to his presence, and Predator kills him and is about to kill Naru after the firearm didn't work for her when Tabe arrives on a horse to distract him. Very sad. Yes. I mean, but also very skillfully, I might add. Yeah. uh, so, yeah, they work together to weaken Predator, but Predator kills Tabe. He uses his last action to give Naru a chance to escape. However, Naru has observed how Predator's helmet targeting system works and has an idea. So she tracks down one of the surviving Frenchmen and uses him as bait. She eats that herb to lower her body temperature because she's observed that Predator can't see. Mm-hmm. If the body temperature is lower, uh, before using the pistol to shoot off and steal Predator's mask, and also cuts off his arm and rips off one of his mandibles in the mm-hmm. ensuing battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she tricks Predator into the bog she'd almost died in earlier and severely injures him. Predator uses his targeting system against her, but Naru uses it against him via his stolen face mask, and the spear meant for Naru kills Predator instead. Uh, And she tells him, not one step further, this is as far as you come. Um, She cuts off Predator's head and returns to her camp carrying it, her face smeared with green blood. She is named the new war chief. Uh, I will say, as a, a, a young girl looks on, just clearly like, oh... Wow, this mm-hmm. could be me. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I love this movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. 
Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's talk about some themes here. And we're going to start with the whole idea of this kind of gender norm about around being a warrior and then the Mary Sue fallout that came from this. And one of the things I really do like about this movie is that it is Naru's story. It's not Predator's story. He's in it. He's a villain. He has some cool scenes, but it's definitely not about Predator. <laughs> Which I love. And also, I, I do like that there are so many things throughout this movie where you see Naru's watching and waiting and listening and observing and learning from that and how that all pays off in the end, even though she's being made fun of it constantly. That guy I, I was talking about earlier, he was kind of always hassling her. He said, like, you know, a hunter hunts they don't wait. But that was her thing. Like she was always observing, watching, waiting. And that is why she was able to defeat Predator. And I don't want to jump too much into the Mary Sue critique yet, but a lot of people were like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is so tough, so many muscles. Of course he could beat Predator. That's not how he beat Predator. He beat Predator after all of his crew was destroyed. All of these manly army men were destroyed. He had to learn and to watch and to observe. It's the same thing. It's mm -hmm. about hunting and watching and observing. Um, so I think that that argument is just dismissing what the original was about. He did not win that because of his muscles or strength. He won that because he observed and found weaknesses. And that's what she's doing. Like, just so competent. Oh, yes. <laughs> And I do, there's a couple of scenes because I, I saw some people, I guess if I'm not making it clear, there was a huge backlash from mostly men on the internet about her right. after this came out. Like she could, there's no way she could have beat Predator. And so, some of those arguments tried to be like, well, we see so many instances of her failing. I would argue that one, you'd been mad if she had succeeded at everything because that's what Mary Sue is. But anyway, uh, but also that's when she's trying to do what, these men are telling her to do when she's just trying to do it without observing or watching. When she tries to do that, she misses. Um, she is, is somebody who adapts 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, when she makes that retractable axe, like, she sees a problem with the axe. Right. She makes it retractable with the cord. And then immediately after you see she's killed, like, I don't know, five, seven rabbits. Right. So she's somebody who's, like, smart and cunning and very, very capable, but is always adapting to what she's seeing. Right. Right. And also, like, the failures are not necessarily because she couldn't do it. It's because something was amiss. Yes. It's almost always predators in the background making noise. And, I mean, that's another point that uh, I don't think we're going to go into too much in this, but... We've talked about that before of the woman in horror often who's like, hey, I think something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she's like warning everyone, hey, there's something bad out there. Y'all are not listening. Once and they're again. all like, I'm not afraid of a bear. And she's like, I'm telling you, it's not a bear. <laughs> I mean, um, it's kind of like, how you, we're not talking about it, but paranormal activity, I watched it again. You're like the entire time, I'm the man. I can fight this. Yes. I can handle it. It's me. I can do this. I can take care of us. Mm-hmm. Dude, you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like these men. <laughs> you should have listened. You did. Yeah. I, like I said, I mean, if we disregard all the other ones, I think she would have been fine without him. I yep. think he really screwed it up. But anyway. Yeah, he did. He sure did. <laughs> he sure did. But yeah, she was, um, I don't know, she was just clearly competent. And uh, people didn't listen to her or were just like, but you're good at medicine though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're good at that. And that's more appropriate for for women is that you should do this. Um but there I, I do have a lot of instances of if I can just talk about how cool she is. Uh yeah. Like, let's go. When she so there's so many things that I think when you're watching it the first time you're just like, oh yeah. But if you actually kind of pay attention to the story and and all of the seeds they planted and all of the payoff that is there. Like, she uses the foothold trap after witnessing it. Like, she uses the gun after witnessing it. She uses Predator's helmet after witnessing it. Like, she's always watching, calculating, learning. She leads him into land that she knows better than a foreign invader, which is the same for the French colonizers. Um... She does not give up even when she fails, even when no one believes her, even when no one thinks she can do it. Uh, She sees what you can't see, even as the viewer. There's one scene where she's fighting all the French people. (laughs) You're like, oh, that's the last guy. And there's a guy behind her, but you can't see her as the viewer, but she can and gets him. And it's just so satisfying. Like... It is hard-earned badassness that she has. Like, she has been doing this. She knows what she's doing. And just like the way she dodges and sees, has quick reflexes. Um, I do think it's really interesting and a purposeful uh, take on what is the threat. Right. Multiple times, Predator has a chance to kill her. And then doesn't because right. he doesn't view her as a threat. That's his whole thing. And a lot of times it's because she's in one way like entrapped or uh, bound or something. But at least in one case, I'm pretty sure it's just because he was like, nah, she's not threat. Right. Um, which I think is really interesting. Because that's basically what the whole, a lot of these men who were hunters were telling her. And even some like women uh, were like, oh, you're just not a hunter. You're just not a threat. And even Predator was kind of like that. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it's like, meh. Yeah. And she even says, I think, uh, at one point, like, that's why 
he doesn't see me as a threat and that's why I can get him. Right. Yeah, and she does have, there's a lot of scenes where you see everyone telling her like, oh, you can't hunt. And that's why she says like, that's why I want to do it. No one believes that I can. Um, And this is like her brother, Predator, the French colonizers. Everyone thinks they know better than her to different extents. Um, And it's also pretty rewarding to see both the French colonizers and the pre- and predators tech like backfire on them. Right. That's pretty <laughs> satisfying. I love the scene where they're all trying to reload their weapons at right. once. Right. <laughs> they deserved it. Mm, mm. Yeah, and and I mean this is like predator is essentially saying she's less of a threat than a snake because he killed that snake. He skinned that snake, and he let her be. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, here's a a quote from Den of Geek addressing the idea that the Comanche couldn't have fought Predator which is again missing the point and this is a lot of what came out of those like angry white dudes at the end the Comanche are generally recognized as perhaps the fiercest warrior culture among the Native American communities that lived among the Southern Plains historians even attribute fear of the Comanche as creating the limited borders of both Spain and France's colonization projects in North America during the 18th century and the wars between Texan settlers and the Comanche in the 19th century remain the stuff of legend right so definitely like I think of all the tribes I've definitely heard Comanche warrior more mm-hmm. than any other not to negate that, but I'm just saying that's one I feel like it's legendary for sure. Mm -hmm. So also a quote from Mashable, they say, when I tell you that Naru kicks ass, I don't think you understand quite how much ass she kicks. She's an ace with a tomahawk and a gifted tracker with an excellent canine companion to boot. On top of all that, Naru is smart. Her decisions such as fastening a rope to her tomahawk so she's always able to pull it back to her consistently have satisfying narrative payoff. You want her to succeed, not just because she's Prey's main character, but also because Prey makes it abundantly clear how capable she is. And it's true. It's, it's a whole buildup, which is that weird, like, it's not a sudden thing. You see her building up to all of her crafts to being beyond good, which we've talked about with women in general and those mm-hmm. in marginalized communities having to overprove themselves. This mm-hmm. is that narrative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about it in a second. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, you immediately are rooting for her. Um, At least that was my experience. I was like, oh, I am so in with you. You're amazing. (laughs) Didn't love her killing rabbits, but I know you got to eat. You got to eat. She does become, as we said, the war chief in the end. And I love when her and Tabe are joking about, like, Predator. Of all the rite of passages you could have gone with, you went with this. (laughs) But it is. Uh, That was her rite of passage. She cut off his head, comes back with the blood smeared on her face. It's pretty, pretty good. And I do like that overall it's an amalgamation of her knowledge in tracking, healing, and hunting that gave her leverage to beat Predator in the end. Like, uh, she was more well-rounded outside of, of gender norms. Like, she couldn't have done it without her knowledge of medicine. Right. Um, but she also couldn't have done it without her knowledge of hunting. Like, I, I like that it was... All of it. That she's so skilled in all of these things that, you know, are gendered, but she's crossing those norms. Um, yeah. Yeah. But okay, yeah, let's talk about this Mary Sue Blacklash, which again, you can see our um, 
whole episode we did on Mary Sue pretty recently where we talked about this because after this movie came out, um, Mary Sue started trending on Twitter and I knew it. It was not going to be good. And even um, I saw it without seeing the movie. I was like, what's happening? Yep. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Um, and the reason it was trending was, as I said, because so many people, and I'm assuming most of them dudes, that most of the articles were and videos were done by dudes, um, thought that no, there's no way Naru could be that skilled, and there's no way she could have taken on Predator. So essentially, if you haven't listened to the Mary Sue episode, Mary Sue is a, a typically a woman uh, character that is loved fictionally uh, loved by everyone and is amazing and skilled at everything with one or two endearing flaws. It's a term that has roots in fan fiction, uh, but I do think the way that it's thrown about in the mainstream media is very sexist and actually pretty devoid of what it actually was in fan fiction, in my opinion, but whatever. Very sexist in nature to mean essentially a competent, skilled woman, um, which... A woman can never be, I guess. <laughs> never. <laughs> Unless we see her train a ton, which is often an argument that comes up, and I'm like, well, here it is. You did see her train a ton. <laughs> and that still wasn't enough. Um, it's not believable, in heavy quotes. Um, and never mind the endless male characters that match this criteria. It's very much like, just in my opinion, it's a woman-man character always gets called Mary Sue these days. People argue that she's... Usually Mary Sue is like bland or um, doesn't have much character development. But again, I think that's just kind of main character stuff. And I would say Naru has tons of character development. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, people were trying to find like, well, she's bad at hunting. Here's why. Um, <laughs> but also like, she's too good at hunting. And here's why. Like, it's just so many contradictions that they had. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I felt like a lot of that was she was struggling to adapt to a hunting style that wasn't natural to her when people kept telling her like, stop waiting, stop waiting. Right. Um, and when she did do her own hunting style. She's the one that defeated Predator. And she was consistently distracted by Predator, as you said. Uh, here is a long quote from Den of Geek that I wanted to include. Since well before Prey was released, they've made their criticisms known online, most of which are couched in thinly veiled forms of bigotry and misogyny. It began when the first teaser trailer appeared for Prey, which highlighted the terrifying technological imbalance between Naro and a fellow Comanche warrior and the Predator. In the original teaser, we see the pair hiding in tall grass while one character draws a bowstring and arrow from his shoulder, and the Predator's infamous three-pronged light, which signifies death, appears on his head. By design, you are meant to experience a realization of dread by the contrast. However, many online influencers reacted with scorn at the very idea of a Predator movie focusing on Native American warriors taking on a pop culture icon from the Reagan years, particularly since the main character among those warriors is a woman. Based purely on the trailer, YouTubers were already reviewing Prey months ago with headlines like, how to spoil a good idea, and then lamenting that the fan base, quote, just wants a decent Predator movie instead of a 
fucking intersectional struggle session. Uh, the same video, which we're purposefully not linking to here, also snarks that unlike the muscular Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mid Thunder, quote, has the size and build of a small child. And her facing off against the predator will be, quote, ludicrous. Since the movie's actual release, such criticism hasn't gone away on social media apps like Twitter, where memes have gone viral depicting images of the cast of Predator, 1987, juxtaposed against Mid-Thunder and text that reads, a team of highly skilled badasses with years of experience and almost no chance versus a Predator. A girl with almost no experience beats a Predator alone. It is, of course, impossible to separate the misogyny and racist undertones of these critiques from any point they're trying to make. A predisposed need to dismiss any film, particularly in genre and fanboy fare, as ludicrous or undeserving when it stars a woman is as common as mindless uses of the term Mary Sue. Writing off Prey because it stars a Comanche woman who is played by a woman of Lakota, Nakota, and Dakota heritage as the ultimate survivor as opposed to a six-foot-two-inches Austrian male bodybuilder is the point. Yes. Yes. Yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much that makes me mad about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you pick apart any of this... It falls apart. Like, I, I, I've i said a million times, you can have critiques about writing, but a lot of this is just sexist and racist. And basically what you're saying, like the line where they're like, one unskilled woman alone does right. it. She wasn't unskilled. And also, like I said, all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's crew got destroyed. And, <laughs> and they had all of these weapons and training or whatever. She had just as much training, but whatever. And the way he survived was doing by what she did, which was observing Predator and finding flaws and hunting. But I really found that it weird that um, those who, the ones I saw critiquing, were critiquing her against uh, Ripley from Alien, uh, saying yeah. that Ripley, you know, these are the reasons Rip Ripley was okay. There's no, I'm like, wait, what? How are they different? Why do you why do you accept one without the other? I'm confused. I really think there's a lot going on there. Yeah. I mean, it's probably racist, but come on. Okay. It's probably racist, but it's also like Ripley wasn't a very physical character. Mm-hmm. Like she she has her moments, but she's mostly like playing and and doing that kind of stuff. And and this character, Nanu, is very physical. Mm-hmm. And I've just heard so many arguments from people where they're like, but women biologically just can't do that. And like, well, are you telling me these superhero movies with white men, they could just do that? I don't right. think that's true. Right. <laughs> um, I don't think you're listening to yourself, sir. Exactly, exactly. But also, Alien was the first. And... This is the fifth of a franchise that's already gotten a lot of fanboy gatekeeping going on. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. 
Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And and I do want to say, like, the original was such a macho movie. So here's a quote from Vulture. The first Predator came out in 1987 at the peak of the muscle movie era, and its ensemble exuded levels of testosterone that can only really be obtained with some anabolic assistance. Former wrestler and Minnesota governor Jesse Ventura slung around the kind of rotary machine gun usually mounted to a helicopter. Carl Weathers engaged in a friendly hand class that turned into... An impromptu arm wrestle that lives on in memes. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, the burliest of them all, played a smirking, sentient pectoral muscle with the undeniably badass nickname of Dutch. 
Um, but however, given all of that, the creators have said the original was making fun of this macho masculine idea that you can just punch something and win. Uh, and the whole thing was super buff, uh, but you know, the, it was super buff. Mar Schwarzenegger couldn't beat Predator until he started observing and using his brain. Um, he reverts to less uh, technologically advanced weapons to surprise Predator. It, so it's it does, once again, feel like a very much missing of the point. And I do think we, as I said, we are so ready to pick apart, but physically that is not possible or technically that's not possible with women. Uh, but we don't do that with men or not right. nearly as much with men or we're just much more willing to go along with the ride uh, with male characters. And I also wanted to point out that we do have in this movie Prey, women teaching and supporting and inspiring each other and other women in this. So you've got Nara's grandmother and the girl watching Nara at the end, as we said. And uh, I did want to include this quote from Mid-Thunder about the character. And, and she's been very outspoken about playing against Hollywood tropes when it comes to Native Americans. She's definitely determined and hard-headed and was a well-written character. Through her journey, she's taught that the why and what you do matters. We had weapon training with the tomahawks, lances, knives, and archery. We also developed a sign language. It was based off a real Comanche sign language mixed with our personal trainer's tactical sign language. Um, so she's got a lot of great quotes. And that brings us to, uh, we're not going to go too much into this, but to the language part because... This was historic, as we said at the top, to have a full Comanche dub. Um, Comanche language is used in it. The fact that there are not subtitles under the French part really brings home that Naro is clearly the hero of this and they are the villains and she wouldn't understand their language, so it's from her point of view. But it is something that's like, when I was reading about it, it's it seriously lacking uh, in terms of what everything else has been because this is this is a first and it's 2022. And I think the only example I found, the only other example I found was that Star Wars has been dubbed in Navajo. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's just so much more ground we could cover there. But that that is, that's something that's progress and it was cool. Uh, and then here comes our bonus about Coco. Okay, <laughs> so Coco the dog, um, scene stealer, as many people said, uh, was an internet sensation after this came out. Uh, yes, and Coco was adopted from Georgia, uh, a Georgia facility, trained specifically for the film, and in the very fond words of Mid-Thunder was a, quote, hot mess. <laughs> um, so it is very, very fun to watch it. Like, after your first watch through, watch it again and just watch Coco because it's very totally. funny. Um, yeah. She's a shelter dog, so I was really surprised. I, I think my partner and I both were like, because when we found out they're from Fulton County Animal Shelter or Lifeline, which is where Peaches is from, very excited that they were purposely adopted for this movie. Um, and then... But that, yeah, it's not a trained dog, and they really, really tried, but they yes. the dog was all over the place, and apparently she's really happy now and a good home, yeah. but it was just like, what? <laughs> I love that even more, because my dog yes. would be that dog. You should, Samantha, you should rewatch it and just watch Coco, okay, because it is very, very funny knowing she was chaos and watching yeah. it and being like, oh, I see it. Yeah, because they <laughs> were all like, it. people were like, well, wasn't she in it more often? They were like, look... 
We tried. <laughs> to the point, yeah, that Thunder barely was like, Juice is fun, dog. Like the way yeah, she the, said like, it was very pitch. tongue and yes. cheek type of level. Like not wanting to be unprofessional and knowing that everybody loved this dog, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to act with this dog. And I've heard many right. actors who refuse to work with animals because mm-hmm. it can be chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, like I said, I do think that everybody loved her, but it is like, you know, when you're trying to film a scene and... Coco's like, I'm going over this movie. (laughs) But there's multiple scenes where I was watching it with my friend over Halloween where she was like, where's Coco? And I'm like, I'm sure they couldn't even get Coco to do anything. So there are a couple scenes where you're like, where is Coco? Right. She should be here. I think I said that. I was like... There's the yes. dog. Isn't the dog supposed to be here? Yes. And I can only assume it's because they were like, we can't. No, nope. <laughs> we done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> yes. Yes. But there's a lot of really fun memes about her and stories about her if you want to look those up. Um, and then to end, I have a quote from Deadline. The director puts his faith in a relative newcomer to shoulder the movie. Women rarely get to be the heroes of these stories, and women of color are often left out entirely. The cast is made up of primarily indigenous actors with a narrative that revolves solely around their lived experiences. Trachenberg took an unprecedented risk here and succeeded. Hopefully this will set the standard for the genre at large. Yeah, I hope so. And as it should be. Yeah. We want to see more of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really good. I really, really liked it. Honestly, I could keep going and going, uh, but I won't. (laughs) But yeah, I would love, uh, listeners, if you have any thoughts about it, uh, if you let us know. And as always, um, if you have any suggestions, we've got a few that you all suggested in the works that are coming. Yes, they are. Uh, But as always, yeah, keep those suggestions coming because they really help us out. You can email those to us at stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffwonnevertoldyou. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal History. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 